Welcome to the Oral History at Shippensburg University podcast, episode one. In this series, students studying oral history at Shippensburg University of Pennsylvania share their projects. We dedicated the spring 2019 season to the subject of disabilities. We'll be discussing the experiences of educators and activists who have spent time working with children with disabilities, the efforts of college campuses to address the needs and experiences of their disabled students, the formation of Shippensburg University's Disability Studies Program, and we will be assessing three distinct platforms that highlighted disabled sources within oral history. In this episode, our group will be discussing the experiences of educators and activists who have spent time working with individuals with disabilities. We have interviewed special needs educators, teacher's aides, counselors, and others who have shared their enlightened experiences with us. They have described their most memorable experiences as well as issues they see in the field and strategies they utilize to assist those in need. Our narrators include Elizabeth Berman, Special Educator Instructor at Maori Elementary School, Wendy Caldwell, Counselor, Chelsea Michael, an elementary school teacher, Brenda Hardsock, Elementary Classroom Aide, Dr. Sharon O'Brien, Professor at Dickinson College, and Dr. David Bateman, professor at Shippensburg University, specializing in educational leadership and special education. But first, some historical context. In terms of legal history, it was common for courts in the late 19th century to uphold measures that excluded students from special needs from attending public schools. This began to change with the advent of Brown versus Board of Education. While the primary concern of this case was that the segregation of students based on race it was also a milestone for special education as well. It brought public attention to the exclusion of students with disabilities uh, and their right to an education. Next was the 1965 Elementary and Secondary Education Act. This act provides schools with funds in order to provide public education for students. Various amendments to this act provided these schools with, sp- with funding specifically for special needs education. Next on line was the 1975 Individuals with Disabilities Act. This act put in place many of the things that are still seen today in special education. This required that each student with a disability receiving special education be provided with an individualized education plan and must have the opportunity to receive public education. Amendments to this act over time required that a measurable goal be added to to these individualized education plans and required increased parental involvement in children's education. Perhaps most significantly was the 1990s Americans with Disabilities Act, which was the first comprehensive civil rights reform bill addressing the needs for disabled students with regards to public services and accommodations, telecommunications, and discrimination in employment. Finally was the 2004 Individuals with Disabilities Act, The second Individuals with Disabilities Act placed a higher emphasis on the results of public education and of, shoot, sorry. On the, the second Individuals with Disabilities Education Act placed a higher emphasis on the results of public schools, special education programs, and achieving various goals listed in students' IEPs. Throughout the course of our interviews, we have discovered many common themes among these individuals in choosing their particular career paths, the first of which, of course, involves a passion for assisting those in need. These narrators expressed excitement when speaking of their chosen career's ability to provide for those who have not always been given a fair chance in life. In the experience of Dr. Bateman, for example, 
He was inspired by the experiences of his brother-in-law to enter the realm of assisting those with disabilities. In other cases, narrators mentioned that a past mentor had inspired them to enter the field. In the case of Liz Berman, as a high school student, she had volunteered to assist during the Special Olympics under her mentor, Regina Mancuso. This is what she said had most inspired her to take on this career. Actually, I was actively involved in Special Olympics, and I loved every minute of it. And they had a huge mentor. Her name was Regina Mancuso, who was a teacher in the Chambersburg Area School District at the middle school level. And she ran the Olympics, had enthusiasm far than I had ever seen before, mm-hmm. and, has re- and that is what really was my first glimpse into my future career and really what I loved about it. Advocacy appeared as another common theme in choosing this career path. This group of narrators feels that through their work, they are able to give a voice to those who are unable to fight for their own needs. Feelings of empathy were evident in speech concerning advocacy. A final common theme in choosing this career path is seeing those in need succeed. Several narrators emoted a sense of satisfaction and and excitement when speaking of special needs students succeed in their education and later lives. When speaking of a student who was unable to communicate verbally, Liz Berman expressed such great excitement when the student was able to learn sign language and be understood by herself and her peers. My most memorable experiences was working with this particular student who had limited language and watching her appropriately sign for something that she wanted or she needed at that point in time and everybody got it and I think for the most part like she was like (gasps) and we gave it right to her so instead of like tantruming or just becoming frustrated because people didn't know what she wanted she was able to appropriately ask for it and that was like that light bulb moment for her in terms of the education of the educators many mentioned hands-on experience is key in this field Oftentimes, coursework and training is developed using a perfect setting, then work in an actual classroom can be a completely different and overwhelming experience. Classroom aides and paraeducators that were interviewed who were asked about their required coursework and training mentioned that while there may be coursework to be completed, they may not be as prepared to work in a classroom until they actually receive that hands-on experience. This is usually not until they begin working in the classroom. Many narrators mentioned some of the difficulties they faced in the field. Several narrators mentioned that funding is one of the major issues in providing the best possible education to students with special needs. It's never a guarantee that each school district will receive the funding that will assist their teachers in reaching various goals with their students. Federal funding for special needs education has significantly increased throughout the decades. However, the amount of students who require a special needs education has significantly increased as well. When asked about any school board legislation that may have hindered the rights of the students with disabilities or may have hindered the narrator's ability to accommodate their needs in the classroom, many narrators dodged that question. Considering many are still employed with a school district, this seems to be a reasonable precaution. Accommodating the needs of of a variety of students with a broad scope of different needs in the same classroom has also proved a rewarding challenge for narrators. Many narrators mentioned the difficulties of working with students who are nonverbal. Accommodation has to be made in order to communicate the wants and needs of those students in particular to prevent potential frustration which may lead to behavioral issues. Sign language and communication using electronic devices were a few strategies mentioned for dealing with this disability. One of the difficult disabilities to understand is autism because there are a wide range of issues that each child, for instance, comprehension issues and retaining information are some common issues. Some narrators mention that autism has become more difficult to deal with now than in the past due to an increase in cases over time. 
Each narrator seems to have come up with various strategies for their work in the classroom that have developed over time. Some like detecting invisible disabilities. Part of the problem with disabilities, particularly invisible disabilities like anxiety and depression, is getting students to seek help without feeling a sense of shame. Professor O'Brien stated one of her strategies to accomplish this was by framing it, framing it within the context of giving the teacher a peace of mind. In O'Brien's words, do me a really big favor and calling the relevant office for the student at which point it is up to the student to attend or forego the appointment. Some narrators mentioned that while they may have developed a set of strategies for working with special needs students early in their career, they may have maintained some of them, but they have changed some of their strategies over time according to what is the best practice at the time. Some narrators tended to speak in passionate manner about their experiences, which was evident in their tone of voice and the words used when speaking of students they worked with. One of the narrators frequently used the word kiddos throughout the telling of her story in special needs education. The, the use of this word demonstrates her attitude towards the children she works with. She clearly demonstrates her passion for working with these students through the use of this type of language. When asked to recount negative experiences of working with children with disabilities, narrators seem to find positive in their negative experiences. This shows that despite difficult times, these people desire to make the best of each situation and can learn and grow as an educator from their negative experiences. When asked about perceived causes in the rise of, an, of anxiety and depression, the narrators asserted on several occasions their belief that the current generation will not do as well as preceding generations. I think that these invisible illnesses, if you will, have really increased. And that then confronts students with the dilemma of, do I tell or do I not tell? They have to do like cost-benefit analysis. Exactly, exactly. And um, I mean, one, one reason I think I do get some of the stories in my creative writing memoir class is because the, the class itself is focused on telling the truth, you know, and, um, and also it does build trust. And because, I mean, if I were a student, I, I would not want to share necessarily with a professor who might then think less of me and I wouldn't want to ask for an extension. They also pointed to invisible nature of such disabilities as both gift and curse. As students have to adjudicate whether they reveal their condition and accept the potential stigma that getting help might inflict, either from how they think people will react or from how their own harmed sense of personal dignity. That's all for this episode of Oral History at Chippensburg University. We'd like to thank all of the oral history narrators who participated in our project and who were featured in this episode. We'd like also to thank the Communications Journalism Department at Shippensburg University for generously allowing us to use their audio lab to record our podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>